Desire is to not just, uh, how do I say it, not just rally people behind the idea that God wants you to prosper, but to bring you to a place of understanding how the things of God work, because they don't work like the world. Uh, there's a different system, there's a different way. Um, and so I am hoping to kind of bring some light onto this last piece to the puzzle, uh, so to speak. And um, it is extremely important that we begin to understand the things we're going to talk about this morning, uh, because it is critical to your future and to your success and to your ability to walk in all that God has uh, for you. And so if you would turn to Genesis 13, verse 1, Genesis 13, 1. It says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold and he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai uh, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at first and there Abram called on the name of the Lord and Lot also which went with Abram had flocks herds and tents and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance was, was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Not the whole land is not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. And if thou depart to the right hand, I will go to the left. It is uh, it is one thing to know how. Uh, that God has blessed us. Galatians 3.13 uh, tells us that uh, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He is being made a curse for us and curses everything hangeth on a tree. And we know this so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the uh, Gentiles. And so we know that we are uh, blessed. We are not trying to get a blessing, but we are blessed. The nature of walking in that blessing uh, is something that becomes very important that we understand how the blessing works. Or let me say it this way, the environment by which the, um, the blessing flourishes. Um, there's a place of, of strife between Abraham and Lot. And if you go to Genesis 12, uh, verse 1, you will see that this is where God gave the initial command. Uh, he said, The Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, or from thy family, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Uh, is anyone able to show me where, in that statement, that Lot was supposed to be included? Um, he actually said to get away from your family and to get away from your country and to get away from your father's house. And this becomes significant because I want you to understand that there are certain places that God will take you that everybody can't go with you. Uh, you often, I think one of the greatest uh, desires of my heart has always been that people who started would be the same people who finished. In other words, uh, in any business that I've ever been in, uh, in any ministry, I've always thought, well, the people who helped start it should definitely be the people who benefit from it uh, in the long term. I have soon learned that that is never the case. Uh, there is certain people that are like scaffolding. Uh, when you see a building being uh, repainted or repaired, they come in, they put up scaffolding, 
they do the repairs, and then they don't leave the scaffolding up. They take it down. Why? Because they were only there for a season. And so some people are either a blessing or a lesson. And you have to begin to realize that not everyone can go where it is God is taking you. There are certain places that God is going to take you that not everyone is happy you're going. Not everyone is, is interested in going with you. Not everyone can go with you because they're not able to see what it is God has given to you. And we being creatures of wanting to uh, please everybody and to uh, be connected sometimes to people that aren't really in our best interest, it's very difficult for us sometimes to go places alone. But there are some things God is going to deal with you and wants to do in you that you need to be by yourself for it to come to pass. And it's, it's not eternity, it's a season. It's a season to strip you from things, from a reliance on other people, from a reliance on things that you thought you needed. And God wants you to know you don't need them. You need me. Because once you learn how to be complete, I want you to hear me. Because this is one of those relationship problems that when you are codependent and can't live by yourself and can't be happy with yourself, then you wonder why you're in a relationship with a person who's not happy with you. And they're not happy with you because you are not happy with you. Are, are you understand what I'm saying? Because in, in, in God math, one plus one doesn't equal two. It equals one when it comes to marriage, when it comes to relationships. So one whole plus one whole equals one whole. But when you've got a half a person who struggles with their own self-securities and self-esteem and things like that, and you add that with another broken person, you don't get half and half. You know, the, the whole Jerry Maguire, you complete me, them is lies. Right. If you are not completed in God, you are going to be a mess in a relationship. And so the constructs of understanding who you are and knowing that God has told him, I need you to get away from the people that are holding you back because they're not going the same place you're going. How do we know that? Because God told Abraham's father to go to Canaan and he didn't go. So we already know that he's already in an environment that is always coming up short. And he calls him out of that and says, I want you to go to a place that I'll tell you uh, when you get there and leave your family. And the Bible says Lot went with him. Now, as Lot goes with him, there comes the moment where they are prospering to such a degree that there's a level of competition for resources. And they are now finding themselves at a place where it's not them who seem to have a problem with each other. Their people have a problem with each other. And the blessing is on Abram. And Lot shouldn't have been there in the first place. But I want you to see that Lot and Abram both were expanding and prospering to such a degree that now they're fighting over the resources. The land cannot hold them. And so there is a strife between them. And Abram says, let there not be this strife. So I here's what I want you to do. I want you to go this way, and I'll go that way. Or you go that way, and I'll go this way. Doesn't much matter to me. Just pick a direction. Because we cannot continue down this road. Abram is after unity. He's after getting rid of the strife. And the nature of unity uh, tends to be centered in the idea of altruism. And altruism is the notion that I have to give of myself or, or let me say it this way. Altruism is like, I want you to make it and I'll let you do it at my expense. So that I give of myself to such a degree that I may even hurt myself to make sure you make it. Uh, one of the problems with, with you ladies as mothers is you tend to give of yourself to the extent of even your own hurt. And then if you're in a relationship where you're married to someone, you have given so much to your kids that when your kids grow up and leave the nest, you are now broken and empty for the man you married. I wish I could give way better amens. 
Because now you are trying to find a relationship with your kids who they now are grown and have moved on and really don't want you as a mother. They want you in the relationship, but they don't want you to mother them. <laughs> they're, they're sprouting wings. Now, if you are unhealthy, then you struggle with that. Because now you're like, well, they just don't need me anymore. And I, who do they think they are? And then, no, they are sprouting wings. Uh, you don't train and prepare your kids to live with you. You train and prepare your kids to live without you. Because there will come a moment where you won't be around. And you are hoping that you have put enough in them that they have the ability to function without you. Unless you are unhealthy, and then it is you find ways to make them dependent upon you. And that's, that's you pull the purse strings, or you are constantly calling and controlling, or never mind, because I'm tired of y'all looking at me like that. So, <clears throat> with altruistic nature, you give of yourself to make sure other people have. There's a certain point where that's important, uh, but you cannot do that to your own detriment. When unity is spoken of, there tends to be two prevailing ideas. One, I will be forced into something uh, immoral or something that may violate my own conscience. Uh, just because it violates your conscience doesn't mean it's immoral. Uh, there are things that sometimes God has told you to do that he has not told anyone else to do. I remember a young man one time uh, moved in with another member of the church, and this particular member of the church, God told him, don't have a TV in your house. I don't know why God told him that, but that's what God told him. So now when this young man's getting ready to move in, he's having a problem with it. He's like, can you believe I can't have a TV? I said, you moved in with him, didn't you? Yeah. Did he tell you beforehand? Yeah. Then that's the rules of the house. You don't like the rules of the house? Get out. It's pretty simple, right? But what God told him may not be what God told him. But nevertheless, that doesn't make it any different. And so just because it's something that may not sit well with you doesn't mean it violates morality. Are you, are you getting my point? Yeah. But there's a, there's a pretense that I will have to violate something in order to get along. In other words, I'm going to have to go along to get along. And then the second prevailing idea is that I'll have to give up my hopes and my dreams, that I'll have to sacrifice everything that I want in order to get along with somebody or to bring unity uh, to the puzzle. Well, the problem with that thinking is that unity is not a one and done type thing. Uh, unity has different layers to it. For example, unity uh, rests in the idea of similarity. When the Apostle Paul said that I have no one like-minded that I can send unto you other than Timothy. And he said, I will be overjoyed when I send Timothy unto you. He didn't say I'd be overjoyed when Timothy gets there and sends me a report as to what's going on. He said, the moment I send Timothy, I will be at peace knowing that Timothy has such a heart, like-minded, he's like-minded, that he's going to do exactly what it is that I want him to do, that Timothy's not going to get out there and say, well, now it's my ministry. I'm going to do what I want to do. This is my time to shine. He said, no, the moment I send him, he's like-minded. The words like-minded is actually the Greek words equal soul. In other words, if we know our soul is an image, then he says he has the same image I do. He's got the same way of thinking that I do. He's going to handle it exactly the same way I would. So that when I send him on his way, He's not going to go to seek his own. Some people, you know how they are when, when the boss is away and they're like, you're in charge. It's like little kids. You make one kid in charge of the other one, they got a problem. Well, now I'm in charge. Now I'm going to treat you like you are nothing because mom and dad ain't around. Well, the problem is they're not treating that other child with the same heart that mom and dad has. Because if they did, they would never even feel the way they feel. Are you understand what I'm saying? So when you have a like mind or you have unity of mind, then that means we see it the same way and we function the same way and we think the same way and we could finish each other's sentences because we are truly of a similar mind. However, that's one level of unity because there's also the level of unity of diversity. And the level of the, uh, unity of diversity would be represented in the idea of music. Uh, you have 
keyboards and you have uh, drums and you have guitars and you have uh, uh, horned instruments and you have all these different types of instruments and when they all come together although they are vastly different and unbelievably unique they still come together and synchronize or syncopated in a way that creates music if they are out of sync then you have noise when they come together in order you have music there's a very thin line between noise and music and it is how they bring their gifts together so now I, I want you to understand there's differences now when it comes to unity and how we get to the place of unity and then the last place of unity is submission or if I can say it this way acquiescence acquiescence is when you are giving up or surrendering your own ideals uh, to say I will do this for the calculation of the greater good that I have decided uh, that the juice is just not worth the squeeze um, you know there are times in life if you've been married more than a day uh, you will have learned that there are times where you and your spouse are not on the same page and you have to pick and choose your battles you have to decide, I don't like this, but the juice is not worth the squeeze. It's not worth all I got to do to get this thing to happen. So I'm just going to let it go. The problem with that particular area is that if it's not expressed, it could become a false harmony. And as it continues to be violated over and over again, it becomes one of those things that, that creates a root of bitterness. And now we've got a real problem that we have to deal with because you never told them that you can't stand the fact that they chew with their mouth open. Are you, are you with me? So in the nature of unity, um, it, it takes on a lot of different forms, but it's amazing to me how many people don't understand the necessity of it. Uh, in other words, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech ye that you walk ver worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Now notice lowliness and meekness. Meekness doesn't mean poor. Meekness means you're teachable. Uh, you can hear. With lowliness means you approach it from a position that you esteem others more than yourself. Long-suffering means you can put up with things for a long period of time without losing your ever-loving mind. Uh, there are some people that have zero ability to forbear. They are not long-suffering. Uh, in other words, if something is not going the way they want it to, they are quick to leave the church because it's not the way they wanted it to be, as opposed to realizing that there are certain things that are going on for your good. It may not feel good to you, but it's good for you because it's working out of you things that God needs to work out of you. And so forbearing one another, what? In love, in love, love is very simple. Love does what's in the best interest of the person being loved. We have become a society of people that think that love is based on feelings. It's based on emotions. You can't help what the heart loves. The heart wants what it wants. The heart loves what it loves. And that is not a biblical definition of love. The biblical definition of love is that we understand it's unconditional, the God type of agape love, the unconditional love. And so there's only one person uh, who can give you the true unconditional love, and that, of course, is God. But we are to model ourselves after that pattern. And he says, with all lowliness, meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Then he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Endeavoring. What does endeavoring mean? Endeavoring means to take painstaking efforts to do something. If I am endeavoring to do it, I am purposely making a point to make this thing happen. And so he tells us that we are to endeavor to keep the unity, to endeavor uh, to bring about the bond of peace. And that is not something that comes easily or else you wouldn't have to endeavor uh, to get it. 
And so when Hebrews tells us to follow peace with all men, uh, he says, for which without it, no man can see the Lord. Uh, in other words, no person can experience God without the unity and the bond of peace. You cannot continue in a strifeful situation and expect to see God. You cannot experience him in the midst of strife and chaos. This is why order is always necessary, even in the church. When things are out of order, you will find that the Spirit of God does not rest and manifest himself as well as he does in churches that understand how to create order. Uh, while we can say what we want to say about our differences between our Catholic brothers and sisters, this is one thing that they have gotten down to a very clear understanding. They know how to honor. And I'm, I, I struggle with a lot of other denominations, so to speak, and a non-denominational church that doesn't seem to know how to really honor and have order. Are, are you with me? And so... Uh, that's not to diminish anything else. It's just to help you to understand a certain principle. And so let's go back to uh, Genesis 13, verse uh, 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan. And notice what he did. He lifted up his eyes and he saw and he judged. <laughs> You'll see that in just a minute. Lot lifted up his eyes and he beheld or he judged all the plain of Jordan. And he thought that it was well watered. He, he before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like a, the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Keep going. And Lot chose him or chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. Lot looks up his eyes, opens his eyes, looks out, and he begins to judge his decision-making based on what he sees in the natural. And he casts judgment on one direction and chose another direction and began to journey that way. It says, And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of, so men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. When you begin to look at the things that are happening even today, it is beyond me how even believers can be so deceived to see things that are absolutely wicked and still think it's God and to say that God has spoken and that God has done something and that it is so wicked that even the casual observer can watch it but when you look at Lot, Lot has moved himself to a place to be close to the edge of what is evil because he is enticed by it. And as he's enticed by it, he goes where he sees natural success can happen. All the while, Abram is sitting back saying, I don't really care where you go, but you have to leave here. And if you choose this way, I will go that way. If you choose that way, I will go this way. Why? Because the blessing is on Abram. The blessing wasn't on Lot. And if Lot had enough sense, what he should have done is said, I'm sorry that our people are fighting with each other. They're fired. Problem solved. But because at some point in time, people who are on your coattails begin to believe that somehow what they've experienced, because they are a blessing to you, that they think somehow it's because of them. And they did not realize that there are certain places that they are blessed because you're blessed. There are certain places, some of you work in institutions and organizations that are still around today just because you keep showing up to work. You have no idea because you think that's arrogant. It's not arrogant. It's confident. Because anybody that blesses you, God said, I will bless. So when they're taking care of you and you show up, they're still around because you showed up. And because you showed up, the blessing is on you. The blessing's not on it. The blessing's on you. And when you stay, ought to just thank you. And I know that's hard for some of you to digest, but it doesn't make it not true. Because God is doing things in a season where, listen, he's sitting there thinking, I'm going to go where the money is. He didn't think, I'm going to stay 
where the blessing is. And you, and you can't get all, you know, some type of way about it because how many people do that? How many people leave their church because they got a job offer somewhere? Well, I'm going to have to move. It's a lot of money. So you're following the money and not the blessing. <laughs> if you're making decisions based on what you do by outward circumstances, you're serving the spirit of mammon. And so here he is choosing his direction it says he opened his eyes and he chose for himself. That's the first problem because he chose for himself. Now here, Abram has twofold issues here. Number one, Abram is the oldest. He's the elder. So by natural respect and honor, Lot should have said, no, Abram, listen, I, I don't think I can submit to this. You choose. Wherever you go, and, I, and I'll, I'll go the other way. That would have been the honorable thing to do. The honorable, the, the smart thing to do would have been to go out there and find out which one of y'all herdsmen, which one of y'all is it? Because we fit and have a problem. That would have been a smart thing. The honorable thing would have been, you choose, sir, whichever one you want. Now, the second issue is that the word came to Abram, not to Lot. So from a spiritual standpoint, from a natural standpoint, he's the eldest. From a spiritual standpoint, he's got the word. But yet and still, he is making a painstaking effort to endeavor to keep the peace. He's like, see, because when, when you're blessed, I don't have to fight over stuff with you. When I'm blessed. You know, you got you to gotta get some things down in your spirit to know. Because some of you be fighting over stuff like you're not blessed. And, it, and you're like, you're fighting to get something, not realizing you really are blessed. It's not a blessing that I'm chasing after. The blessing is on me. And it has to produce. I'm not going to fight with you over stuff. We're not going to argue over it. I don't care. If it means that much to you, you keep it. Why? Because you're going to need it. Because everywhere I go, he told me I have given you wherever I put my foot I know that he has given to me so if the blessing is on me I don't need to argue I don't need to fight I don't need to go through problems and struggle and tribulations with you if you really want it that bad if they literally come after you give them your coat also see Jesus understood we ain't gonna fight over this anything that you need I can give it to you anything you want I can bless you with it I don't have to be at odds with you to scrape and, and take and get anything I can get my hands on. If the blessing's on me, it's on me. So here we see him taking painstaking effort to endeavor. He didn't invoke not one of his rights. He literally could have said, look, I'm the oldest. So you, nephew, he could have said the word of God's with me. I'm the one got the word. I'm the one he told to leave. I'm the one he's leading. None of that did he do for the sake of endeavoring to keep the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. And so as we look at the idea of forbearing one another in love and we look at what it takes to keep unity we begin to see some characteristics of what unity looks like. And so let's go to Psalms 133, verse 1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together where? In unity. In unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. Keep going. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. Where is there? In unity. How wonderful it is, how pleasant it is, how great it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And he says that God commands the blessing. Where? In unity. 
He commands it in unity. See, this is why there are times where, you know, you have people on your team, <clears throat> and, and they're not in unity with you. You know it. You can sense it. Their heart's not with you. And while you want to give people time to change, uh, sometimes they just can't get there. And then they end up leaving. And people are like, well, Pastor, aren't you upset they left? No, because their heart wasn't with us. They sat up here on my praise and worship team and tried to sing praises unto God and wouldn't be in unity and talked about each and every one of the members, including me. And then they wonder why their life fell apart. And I'm giving them opportunity to operate in unity by helping them stay there, hoping they get it. But every time you touch it, it's like a dog covering a... <laughs> Are you understand what I'm saying? Because unity, God does, never, he does not function in chaos. Remember, he said, I'm not the author of confusion. So when we talk about the blessing, then we have to begin to realize that if we don't create an atmosphere for the blessing to move, it's one thing to be all excited that the blessing is on you. It's another thing to rally around the battle cry that I'm blessed. But it's another to not know that there's a way that the blessing works. When you look at uh, in the beginning with Adam and Eve, God didn't bless the ground. He blessed them. And he told them, now tend to this work that I've created. Adam didn't plant none of that. Adam didn't cause any of that to grow. God did. All he told Adam to do was take care of it. So when you begin to understand yourself in working in the blessing that's on your life, you are not responsible to make it grow. You're responsible to tend it, to protect it, and to keep it, and to create an environment and an atmosphere where it can function. And so when you see the strife and the problems that they were going through, he's like, I can't let you continue to mess with my prosperity. I've got to get to a place where you go this way and I'll go that way because if I can't get some peace in my home, if I can't get some uh, quiet in my home, if you want to fight and argue with me all the time in my home, some of you got grown kids that are still causing strife in your home. Some of you sitting next to the person who keeps causing strife in your home. Y'all better hear what I'm saying. There's a point where the anointing is not going to overcome the constant strife and the constant aggravation that comes from being in a place with someone who isn't really on your side. But you have got to surround yourself and create an environment where people around you are going the same direction as you. They will squash their ideas. They will squash everything, all their beef and contention just to say, I want to get along. I want to go where we're going together. I see the vision. I've got like mine. Yes, I'm different. Yes, I got a different personality. But just like music, we're going to find a way to work together so that we find the spot where we each fit. And as we work together, we create a beautiful symphony that literally when you hear it, it is beauty to your ears. Not a bunch of noise and arguing and strife and contention. And then you want to walk around talking about, I'm blessed. I'd be so blessed. The blessing is on me. But you're full of contention. Then you want to blame God as to why it's not moving, why I don't have, why the business ain't working, why this, because you got way too much contention. And Abram was smart. He said, listen, dude, we can't do this. Y'all got to go. And I don't care which way you go. Because the blessing's on me. So if you go this way, the blessing's going that way. If you go that way, the blessing is going this way. Because the blessing is going wherever I go. So now it don't matter if you choose the best that you think it is. Because I'm not going to choose for myself. I'm going to choose what God has called. And every time I walk in his purpose, it has to succeed. But if you think you're going to get me into this. See, that's when they were at the, the, uh, the marriage, and Jesus' mother, it says she was invited, she was a guest, and Jesus was a guest, right? And so they come to her, and they say, we out of wine. And Jesus is like, she goes to Jesus and says, they're out of wine. Jesus is like, what's that got to do with me? 
One translation says, he said, don't push me. He's like, what's that got to do with me or you? In other words, that's none of my business. I don't need to get involved in that because that doesn't concern me. This is why when people try to bait you, because I want you to understand something. If Satan can't get you into a fight in your own house, he'll try to bait you into one in something you have no business in. He'll pull you in by somebody else. Now you've got a friend who's got a beef with a friend. And instead of you being biblical and saying, well, do a Matthew 18. You've got a problem with you, then you talk to you. Leave me out of it. I don't have nothing to do with this. My name is Wes, and I'm not in this mess. My name is Paul, and that's between y'all. No, but see, you get in it and start listening to one side. Now you're choosing a side. And now you're right up in the middle of the strife. But then you want to come to church and talk about how blessed. This is why you ain't going to come to me with a problem with them. You got a problem with them, let's get them. Let's go talk to them. Anybody that knows me knows if I think you have a problem with me, I'm not going to ask the person who told me I'm coming to you. Well, you're just so direct. You're right. You want to know why? Because I hate strife. See, it costs me too much. It's a check that I don't want to have to write to be in strife with people. Because some people love strife. They eat strife for breakfast. I eat haters for breakfast. Y'all eat strife. I just got to have something going on. Makes, makes you feel alive. Did you, child, did you hear about something? No, I didn't. Well, let me tell you, I'd rather you didn't. Wait, wait, you're not going to believe it. Then just assume I won't and let's keep it moving. <laughs> let's just skip the part of telling me. Because what does that have to do with me? See, because I'm, I'm trying to tell you, if you really think about this, when Satan is, is, is when, when the Bible says that he went around uh, Job looking for, he said he had a hedge of protection. How would he have known that he had a hedge of protection around him if he wasn't circling around him? trying to figure out a way to get in and if you're not careful y'all you will get roped into stuff your kids will bring home drama your husband or your wife will bring home drama happening at their job that has nothing to do with you now you now you roped into stuff that and if they can't get there then they'll move out a little bit further it'll be a friend of a friend of a friend all of a sudden is reaching out to you trying to draw you into a fight to create strife. Why? Because he knows, Satan knows, that God commands a blessing in the middle of wherever unity is. So I endeavor to keep unity. When people come and stay in my home, almost every time they'll say, your home is so peaceful. It didn't, it wasn't built peaceful. I don't have peaceful carpet. I have made a painstaking effort to make our home peaceful so that it is a place of rest and peace and we work diligently to get the strife out do you have times for strife of course everybody does but I can tell you this much I'm on it no that strife's got to go no you can't bring that in here don't care which way you go you gotta go that way I'll go this way the blessing's on me. So whatever you want to do, you figure it out. But I'm not going to go down this road with you. I remember years ago, uh, <clears throat> I was praying about a financial situation. And the Lord told me, he said, go talk to your wife. Not, not this wife, my ex-wife. And so I said, okay. So I went and I spoke to her. And she was like, well, you see what happened was, I said, oh, God, here we go. Anything that starts out, you see what had happened was? Is never good. She said, well, I, I, you know, I had some things I had to pay, and so I, I didn't really send the tithe checks and stuff, and I was hoping that I'd catch it up later. And I said, see, here we are. From that moment forward, I wrote my checks straight from my business account every time money came in. Because I'm like, you are not going to put me in a position to be at odds with God. See, I, <laughs> I need you to see this, y'all. 
Because when you are dealing with different things in your home, you have got to know that you cannot have a bunch of strife going on. You, you know, <laughs> if you're sitting next to this person I'm about to describe to you, you'll smile. Look straight ahead. Don't look at them. Don't give them one of them. Don't do that. Just straight ahead. But you ever know somebody who just loves strife and chaos? Like, if, if everything's peaceful, they're just unhappy. They're looking for a moment to create something, a problem, so y'all can solve it. You need to get rid of those people. <laughs> yeah, Pastor, but that's my best friend. Listen, you go this way, I'll go this way. Because the blessing is too important to me. It's too expensive for me to keep going through strife. It's too expensive for me not to like people I don't even know because you don't like them. It's too expensive for me to harbor these types of feelings towards situations that I really don't have nothing. I have to guard my heart so that I'm never drawn into things that I should not be involved in. Now I'm creating an atmosphere in my realm that you're not gonna bring me into this place. I, I remember one time we had a uh, we had a keyboard player <clears throat> years ago at, at the other building, and uh, the keyboard. I was getting ready to head to uh, camp meeting in Bullhead, and right before I'm getting ready to walk out the door, uh, Dad's with me, Pastor Ricky. He's with me, and he uh, he's like. The keyboard players to kind of talk to you. I said, sure. He goes, um, a church gave me a better offer, so I'm quitting. Today's my last day. So I'm like, all right. So I get in the car, and Reverend Ricky's in the front, and we're driving, and I'm telling him what's happening. And as soon as I tell him, he goes, thank you, God. Glory to God. Thank you. I'm like, this man hear what I just said? Of course you heard what I just said. He was teaching me something. He was teaching me to count it all joy. To don't let strife and contention get into your heart. No matter from where it comes. Because if the blessing is on me. I don't need him. Wish you the best of luck. Hope it all works out for you. But I don't need you. <laughs> Why? Because the blessing's on See, <laughs> when the blessing is on you, you get unattached to people. Because that's the whole point of it. The whole point is to keep you dependent upon God and not upon people. And anything that relates to strife and contention, you've got to know it's a blessing blocker. And some of you, you, you've been like, well, how come the blessing hasn't manifest for me? How come this hasn't happened? Blah, blah, blah. It's because you got too many blessing blockers. You have too much that's causing. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. That's my mother. Jesus said, think not that I came to bring peace. He said, I came to separate mothers and daughters, fathers and sons. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Oh, well, <laughs> really? Yes. That's what he said. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I didn't come to, to, for y'all to think y'all going to get along and, sac and, and forsake what I asked you to do to get along. If I got to get along with you and I got to forsake what God has told me to do, there is something wrong with you. I'm not going to marry somebody that's going to pull me out of my church. That's something's wrong with that situation. I'm not going to be with someone who is not encouraging me to go after the things of God. Something is wrong with that situation. See, you got to know your friends and the people around you, the circle around you, are they spurring you on to good works? Are they taking the, let's go deeper and further with this thing. Are they encouraging your lifestyle? Are they like, yes, let's go after the things of God? Uh, are they the ones that are constantly telling you, you, do you really have to go tonight? I'm sure it's just, I mean, it's just one time. I mean, I feel like you love the church more than you love me. If that's ever got to be the conversation with somebody, let just just back up and be like, let me, let me, let, let me help you. 
I love God more than I love you. And that's the reason why God lets me live long enough to love you. It's a, it's a childish place to have to be able, having to defend your relationship with God who is the one who blessed you. With somebody who all they are is Mr. or Mrs. Blessing Blocker. Are y'all hearing me? Luke chapter 8. Verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which has spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him, touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and you're asking who touched you? And Jesus said, Somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him, and she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Now, it's a big world. Just go ahead on out there and mess up in it. He said to go in peace. Now, again, no matter how you translate this, there's a reason why he told her to go in peace. I don't know if she was a rebel-rousing person. And he's like, look, <laughs> calm yourself down and go in peace. Or if she was living in an environment that wasn't peaceful, and he's telling her, go in peace. Don't care how you translate it. The end is still the same. He told her, when you leave, pursue peace. Keep your peace. Because some of you, the reason why you're struggling with healing in certain areas is because you don't have any peace. And you refuse to take a stand to get that peace. Listen, it, it, it's very simple. You are not going to keep me in an area of strife. I don't like you enough to do that. You have got to be against me to want to keep me in constant strife and anguish and aggravation. I'm not going to be in a relationship where you're going to disrespect me and treat me a certain type of way and think I'm going to buy into that. I have enough self-esteem to know that if you won't recognize who I am and treat me accordingly, then I'm going to know for my own self who I am. And I'm going to exit stage left because I'm not going to allow you to dictate how my life is fitting to be. You better know and you better recognize that the blessing is on me and I'm not going to tell you the blessing's on me. If you can't look and see and judge for yourself, then that's on you, baby. It's your loss and my gain because I'm on to the next. But it's amazing to me how many people will stay in places and be treated in ways and they say I don't like how I'm treated I, they don't see my value no you don't see your value because you teach people how to treat you <laughs> they don't just automatically know you have to teach them when they do something you like, know it's like a dog right they pee on the floor you take them you rub their nose in it you smack them with the newspaper throw them outside what happens? After a while, they realize every time I pee on the floor, I'm going to get my nose rubbed in it, smacked in the nose, thrown outside. So maybe outside is where I'm supposed to pee. Oh my God. <laughs> Listen, y'all. Never mind. <laughs> so when he told her daughter, go in peace, whatever, the, whatever she was doing, undoubtedly he was telling her, you just received your miracle. Now let me show you how to keep it. Amen. Don't let, you know, don't, don't walk out of here and be walking down the street and somebody cuts you off and flip them the bird. Right. 
Keep your peace. <laughs> Make a painstaking effort to keep your peace. There are people that I have very close to me that differ in their opinions on political views. But I'm mature enough to know that doesn't mean I hate you. That doesn't mean I can't be friends with you. That doesn't mean I don't like you. We just have difference of opinion. But I ain't going to let you draw me into the strife neither. <laughs> See, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, saw, I saw this uh, uh, post somebody put up and they said, uh, they, they, were, they were throwing shade, but then they were saying, can't we all just get along? My words. I'm like, how are you going to throw shade and attack somebody and then say, can we get along as Christians? You were just as worse as everybody. You this is why you got to be careful because when you begin to criticize and judge, you become what you are. That's why he said, you do turn around and do the same thing. He said, don't judge people because you're going to do the same thing by judging them. You got to be careful what battles you get pulled into, where you begin to spend your emotional capital. You think I'm going to jump up, up and down over, over an election? You can put Kermit the Frog in office, baby. I'm blessed. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed if there's a Democrat here. I'm blessed if there's a Republican I'm blessed if there's an Independent here. I am blessed. You're not going to get me to spend my emotional capital, thank you, brother, on things, and I'm not going to spend this either, <laughs> on things with people, because I'm too blessed for that. Right. Listen, when you're blessed, it, it just, listen, do I care about our, of course I do. Do I want us to have the right ideals? Of course I do. But the reality is that when I start getting into a place of fighting with my brothers and sisters over this nonsense, they win. And I'm not going to let that happen. Because the truth of the matter is, it ain't over until God says so. <laughs> so what I want you to understand is, he told her, I want you to just go in peace. I can almost see her as she's leaving. And Satan says, they didn't have cars back then, but just this is my imagination. So you follow me on this one. She's driving down the street. Satan goes, cut her off. Car cuts her off. She's tempted, boy. But she's like, I got to keep my peace. I've been suffering with this for 18 years. Nothing's worth losing my healing over this nonsense. I got to keep my peace. Then Satan says, oh, okay. Let me pull out the big dog. So she gets home. She says, honey, you'll never guess what happened. Jesus was walking down the street. I went out. I touched the hem of his garment. And he says, stop. Right there. Hold on. You going to tell me you, you ran into Jesus? Well, yeah. Okay. Do me a favor. Get in the kitchen. Cook me a pie. <laughs> Who are you talking to? And then the blood starts flowing again. See, some of y'all not getting this. That's why Abram said, look, I, I, this is too expensive. So you go wherever you want. But I can't sacrifice this blessing. So then, let's go back to Genesis uh, 13, 8, real quick. So then he says, uh, Abram said unto Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between thy herdmen, my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Now watch what he says next. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left, I'll take the right. If you take the right, I'll take the left. Verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes, right? And beheld all the plain of Jordan, and he made his choice. Verse uh, 11. And he chose for himself and then journeyed east. Verse 12. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Verse 13. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated, 
Some of y'all have been praying. <clears throat> Lord, how come you won't speak to me? Lord, I, we've been talking about this. I've been praying about this, and I haven't gotten an answer. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from whatever place you are. Lot lifted up his eyes and he chose the direction. He said, is not the whole world before you? No, it wasn't. Technically. It was, but then it wasn't. <laughs> Naturally, the world was all before him. He could choose any way he wanted to, out of his own will. But he knew the blessing wasn't on him, so he had to choose what he thought would bless him because he forsook the blessing. Then God says to Abram, open up your eyes. He says, and look from wherever you are right now. And if you move somewhere else, look from there. Wherever you are. He says everywhere to the north. To the south. To the east. And to the west. For all the land which you seek. To thee. Will I give it. Which you could see. With the eyes of the spirit. Which you could see. With the eyes of your understanding. Which you can see. With your natural eyes. He said every direction. Whatever you see. To you. I'll give it. That didn't come. Until he got Lot out of the way. <laughs> Some of you just don't even know. There's lots. Just literally clogging up the works for you. And you're wondering where is it. And God's like I can't talk to you. Until you get Lot out the way. I can't deal with you until you get Bumquisha out the way. Obama Nikwa is messing with you. And you don't even know it. Because you're too tied to stuff. That don't make any sense. You and Karen too close. And if I told you something. You're going to tell her. And she's going to kill it. So now that lots out the way. Everywhere you look. You take whatever direction you want to look, wherever you want to go, anything you want. If you set your sights on it, I'll give it to you. Any which way you want to go, if you follow me, I'll give it to you. But you got to get the strife out of your life because we can't have contention. I need too bad the blessing that's on my life to allow people to destroy what God is trying to do with their contentions and their strifefulness and their attitudes. I can't afford it. There ain't a check big enough to get me to sacrifice my ability to look in any direction and see that God said I'll give it to you and the same blessing that was on Abram same one that's on me same one that's on you what makes you think you're better than him if he has to get it out of his life See, this is, one of, this is one of them things that make you want to cry and shout all at the same time. But I'm telling you, if Satan can't get you into a fight directly, he will get people around you to pull you into one. Because he knows that as long as I can pull you into it, then... And if you have a Bible that has notations, you'll see just before verse 14, it'll say... Uh, God renews his promise to Abram. God didn't renew his promise to Abram. Why would he have to renew his promise? It's God. God said you can have it. You can have it. I don't need him to come back and renew it. You know what he was doing? He was reminding him of his promise. <laughs> He's like, now that you got the strife out, every which way you look, I'll give you. Everywhere you put your foot, I'll give you. I know this sounds, it's coming across as if it's easy, but I'm telling you it's not. It's so not easy. Because strife can come into our lives in so many different directions. That's why as single people, it's so important who you marry. It's important who you yoke yourself with. 
I know, Pastor, you keep saying it. Yeah, but you keep ignoring it. As if I somehow have personal gain to tell you who to be yoked to. You the one got to go home and sleep with them, not me. I'm not telling you for my benefit. I'm telling you for yours. It matters. Because when you're trying to build something, y'all got to be on the same page. Y'all got to be after the same things. Y'all have got to be able to say, look, listen, her personality is different than mine. And to be real honest with you, I couldn't live with me. I'd be going to slap the taste out of me. I just, I couldn't live with me. Bless God, she can't. Are you understand what I'm saying? And so she may have a different style, a different method, a different personality. But when we come together, we come for the greater common good to understand there's a plan and a purpose that we are after. And we know that we've got to work in a way that's like a well-oiled machine. We've got to have our timing straight. We've got to have our organization straight. We've got to help each other as iron sharpens iron. We've got to find the strife and get it out and get rid of it. We've got to keep ourselves in a place where we can't get baited in to nonsense. There's been times where I come to her and I go, did you hear about so-and-so? And she's like, bless God. I wish them all the best. And that's the way of saying, shut up. It happens. Everybody misses it at times. But thank God you got somebody with you. She came to me the other day. She's like, you know, there's this minister did something, and everybody's going in on them, making fun of them because they didn't said something. I said, well, here's what I know. Who am I to judge another man's servant? Boom. Know what that meant? Shut up. <laughs> and we both did. Whoop. Not going to let stress, strife, aggravation. We, we endeavor to keep the peace. We endeavor. There's been times people are like, Pastor, can we do thus and so? I'm like, you know what? No, we can't. I can't tell them that there's somebody who's mixed up in that, that we have personal information to know why they can't do it. And I'm not going to put their information on blast for you to know so you can feel better about yourself. So I say no. Well, I don't understand why. You don't have to. If you are endeavoring to keep unity, you would have a level of trust to know You would submit and capitulate and say, you know what? If he ain't asking me to do anything immoral, illegal, then what's the harm? But see, we become so conceited in our own minds that we have a hard time taking low. Because we don't know how to walk with lowliness and meekness and how to be at a place where we understand we're under. Even Jesus himself said, I don't do anything I didn't see my father do. Jesus had all power under total control. We can learn a lot from that. We can learn a lot from not passing judgment on everybody and everything. Inviting stress and strife into our lives and then wonder why the blessing. Well, what do you think about that? I don't have a thought about it. Well, people want to know what your opinion is. Then people ought to figure it out for themselves. Because if you think, I, I don't have a dog in that hunt. I don't have a pony in that show. I'm not, co I'm not coming into that. Because the moment you get me into that, now I got to come for you. Because you don't come for me unless I send for you. So I don't get myself mixed up in things I don't want to be mixed up in. Well, well, what's your say about it? I don't have one. Because <laughs> it's it just, I, I can't afford it. How about you? How about you? In your life, can you really afford some of the things you have put yourself in the midst of? Some of the battles you've taken on that you really should have just left alone. The Lord reminded him, and he said, listen, I'll give you everything you see. Now that the strife is gone, don't forget that. Don't forget no matter which way you go, I got you. Don't forget, no matter which decision you make, if somebody decides to leave, go. Bye. See you. Have a nice life. Wouldn't want to be you. Don't be tied to people who are bringing strife and problems into your life. You don't need it. If you need God, like I need God, 
I don't have the ability to be taken on water all the time. Now I got to scoop the water of your crap out of my boat and scoop out my own. No, I just don't need it. I just don't need it. (laughs) Well, let's pray. You want to? Father God, we thank you for all that you're revealing unto us. We know that utterance is greatly affected by the hearers. And we know that as we came to hear, uh, there are many of us that came looking for an answer this morning. And we got it. Uh, we, there's many of us that have been wondering, where is the blessing? How come it doesn't seem to work? And we are now learning how to endeavor to keep the peace, to keep unity, to look for unity in everything, to find it and then pursue it with everything that we are to find a place to connect and then if we can't then it's just got to go because we trust in you we believe in you so father we thank you that you'll continue to make that uh, become more and more clear in our lives that you would continue to illuminate people in our lives that just they're not there to help they're truly there to keep us from walking in our blessing we thank you that like you said about the dew of Hermon, that you will cause it uh, you will command the blessing to function in places where there is unity. Father, we thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name. All believers in the house said, Amen. Amen. We sure do love you guys. Thank you so much.